Hey, listeners. Dear listeners. Beloved listeners. Faithful listeners of the Let's Read the Bible podcast. We are so thankful for you today. Happy American Thanksgiving. To our listeners in Canada, happy Thursday. <laughs> to, our, to the few people that listen in countries that aren't those two, happy Thursday as well. Possibly Wednesday if you're listening on the depending, other side of the day. Depending on where you're living, yes. So there you go. This is a special episode today. It's true. Well, so it's a little bit of behind the scenes. Uh, we had a short week in the office, and so we didn't have time to record, but we want to still make sure that we're putting out some content for well, it's you. It's not that we didn't have time to record. Let's just be honest, okay? Because we're recording right now. That's creating space, but at the same time, it's Thanksgiving week, and today is Thanksgiving Day when you're listening to this, and so we wanted to take some time. Rather than drop something on a Sunday, we want to drop it on Thanksgiving Day. Exactly. To express our thanks for you today. That's it. Have a great day. Because no, who, thank- who are we thankful for? You, beloved you. listeners. You. You. <laughs> Only you. No, but for real, we want to take a second just to really talk about the idea of thankfulness. This won't be a long podcast, and we had a question come in that we'll talk about a little bit as well. Um, but I do think that in today in today's day and age, it's so easy for us to skip past things to be thankful for. And or, it, or I would say this, it's really easy to be thankful for monetary, materialistic, tangible things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what we become thankful for. Uh, and, and so it's, I think part of the heart is to spend time talking about, uh, from a biblical perspective, the idea of Thanksgiving, what does it mean for us as Christians? And it, it, it brings me back to our last episode about second Peter and really this idea of as the church is going through persecution, what's he reminding them to do? Yeah. Keep their eyes focused on their hope in Jesus, their eternal hope. Um, and for us, I think with Thanksgiving, I remember going around the table. Um, I don't know if you guys have this tradition. My wife absolutely hates it because she's I really, hated it too. She's really Thanks introverted. Thanks a lot, mom. Yeah. Uh, if you go, you're listening. You go around the thankful or you go around the table and you say things that you're thankful for. But yeah, how often them are the things that come to our mind first and foremost, are they material things or even like human relationships? Yeah. And we skip past the idea of like, you know what I'm really thankful for? That the creator God of the universe loves me and that I get to hope in death afterward that I have eternal perfect relationship yeah. with him like that it, we we skip over it so but, much. but I also think it's hard too right because I so we didn't do this much as a kid but when my mom made me do it I, I would get frustrated I'm mm-hmm. like I, I'm thankful for my family because I it just it's one thing that I don't practice enough is is reflecting on what what what's something to be thankful for today um, and this is where I know uh, today, actually, if you're part of the Grove Church and you heard Pastor Nick's message a couple of weeks ago, today's the day that you should be sending in your thankful list that he challenged us to do, where we took 11 days to write three things every day that we're thankful for. Uh, and you should be sending it in to Pastor Nick today at some point or tomorrow, right? Or sometime this weekend, right? Um, but it is, it's been a challenge for me to even stop and just reflect like, Lord, what what brought a thankful attitude to me? And it is the the the... The Christian who was raised in the church in me immediately thinks the thing that I should be thankful for is, is Christ's death and resurrection on the cross, that I have a hope that's eternal. Uh, these are all things that I know are the right answers. But it's also it's also understanding like it's the things to be thankful for. And sometimes we have to train and, and help ourselves recognize what's to be thankful for. So this is where like those are the right answers, quote unquote, but you don't just say them because they're the right answers, right? right. There is this layer of gratitude that has to come 
that it should come from is this foundation of like, man, God, you are so faithful and good to me. Um, but it is that layer, like sitting around the, this is where my vision of it, like sitting around the table, we're all eating our food and say, so, Hey, we're going to, who's, who's thankful for what? And I'm like, I'm just going to stuff my face full of food and not say anything. Oh, I'm talking my mouth full. Like, um, I would do stuff like that, but. Yep. Uh, so I think uh, this is a little, a little short encouragement, if you will, that today, as we stuff our faces full of turkey, dark meat and stuffing <laughs> and gravy and oh. rolls. And yams. Listen, pumpkin pie. Okay. And mashed potatoes. Sweet potatoes, mashed potatoes. And green bean casserole. Jello salad for me. Not cranberry sauce. The jello salad I'm talking about is not like jello with a bunch of stuff in it. It's like layers of jello with like a cream base layer in between. Oh my. It's brilliant. Anyway. Thanks, sorry. mom. Good got, shout out. Got sidetracked again. Uh as we're Food. as we're celebrating this holiday, as we're taking time to spend with our families and eat, um, I think it's it's more than appropriate to think of all the things in our life that we are thankful for yes. all of the blessings that God has given us. Uh, but I also think it's, it's so important for us to keep what is the main thing Yeah, and to regardless of how our lives are going, regardless of the pain that we're walking through, regardless of the situations that we find ourselves in as Christians, we can all be universally thankful yeah. for God's salvation yeah. in our lives. So there you go. Just a, just a little encouragement listeners. Yeah. Have a, and have it, a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, have a great Thanksgiving. Well, if you stuck around past that little pause, we also had a question come in. So just to give you a little extra content, I thought this one was interesting. So it says, hello, hello. Uh, my question is on John chapter 12, verses 20 through 25. Every time I've read this, I'm not able to figure out why the Greeks would like to see Jesus. Also, why does Jesus not see them? To me, there's a lot going on in this passage of scripture that I ponder whether Jesus is so fed up with people not believing in all his healing, uh, feeding people and signs as all he wants to do is just go to the Father. Thank you. All right. So let's talk about this. We'll read the passage and then we'll discuss it here for a little bit. So this is in John chapter 12, verses 20 through 26 is what we're going to read. And it says, now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour is come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loses his life, loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Loves his life will lose it. Sorry, yeah, I was going to say whoever loves his oh life will gosh. lose it. Whoever loves, yeah, that's a that's a famous verse too. I was going to say whoever loses his life loses it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, sorry. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Side note: I feel like it would be. We kind of romanticize what it would be like to be one of Jesus' disciples, but sometimes it would be frustrating because <laughs> it's like, Jesus, I just hey, asked you a question. Yes or no? Like, Jesus, these these Greek guys want to meet with you. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be like, no, Jesus, we just want to know. Like, yes, what are you, no, are you Specifically free? with this issue, what are you thinking? Do um, you, you have any space in your calendar for him? But as, uh, yeah, any space, check your iCal. Um but as with anything with Jesus, what he's getting at is obviously a deeper truth, and he's trying to teach his disciples a lesson. So what he's showing them here is that all throughout the Gospels, not all throughout, in the first parts of the Gospels, we always get this theme that like my hour's not yet come. Famously, when Jesus' mother asks him to uh, do something about the the wedding feast that they're at, and they're run, they've run out of wine, he's like, 
woman, my time has not yet come, which I love that he says woman, which is not the same way that um, is an endearing yeah, term. It's not, a, it's not a derogatory term. It's not the same way where like if I called my wife woman, she would just give me a slap and say, try again. Um, but it's this idea that he's waiting for his time to come. And so here when these Greeks come and ask to speak to him, I think it's showing a couple different things. Uh, these most likely aren't Greek Jews because they're usually referred to as Hellenists. So these seem to be just Greek people traveling through. So they're not overly familiar with the concept of who, who Yahweh is, but they're intrigued by Jesus and they want to know more. And he's kind of, and here Jesus is kind of giving hints that like, yeah, this is going to be a thing. This is not just what we're talking about right now. This isn't just a Jewish thing. It's going to take the disciples a little bit to get on board with that or to even realize that that's what he's talking about. Uh, but he's saying, yeah, it, it is good that the Greeks want to come meet me because the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then he uses this idea of wheat, right? Where uh, the grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies. Uh, but if it doesn't do that, it remains alone. So in other words, if Jesus doesn't do what he's about to do, the nations of the earth will not be blessed. If it wasn't for his death and resurrection, then all of a sudden God's salvation isn't broadened out to the world that we have today. And he gets this whole spiel at the end with the idea of whoever loves his life will lose it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So this idea of the sacrifice that specifically his disciples, but really all Christians are going to have to go through in the coming years, where every one of the disciples, except for John uh, and Judas, I suppose, gives up their life to serve Jesus, to preach the gospel. Uh, John is the only one who is not who is not killed for this. And they're doing it in order to bless the world. They're doing it in order to spread the gospel as far as they can do. So it's hard with this passage specifically because it uh, it's oftentimes labeled as Jesus rejects the Greeks. And that could be what's going on here. Um, but there's also just not like necessarily textual evidence to say like, and then like, you know, he, he might've met with them right afterward. It's just kind of an interesting idea where, Philip and Andrew come to Jesus specifically asking about some meetings with some Greeks, and Jesus is using it as an opportunity to tell them about eventually what his ministry is going to look like and what the the greater spread of the gospel will be. So there you go. Kind of an interesting little uh an interesting little side note in the gospel of John. Well, but I, I I'm just trying to wrap my head around the question a bit. Um I'm able to, I'm not able to figure out why the Greeks would like to see Jesus and why else the Jews didn't. Why does Jesus not see them? I don't, and maybe I'm missing it, Evan, and you can correct me, but I'm not seeing where it says Jesus didn't see them. Well, that's what I'm saying. So in a lot um, of in a lot of Bibles, it's labeled that section is labeled as Jesus rejects the Greeks. So it's kind of I think there's just implications from the text that when they come and ask to be met, that because he doesn't come out and say yes or no, that it's it's a no. I don't. I don't yeah, another thing. I don't know if that's. If that's necessarily the correct interpretation, I don't think we ne it's necessary. It's um, I don't think it's one hundred percent that Jesus doesn't meet with the Greeks in that in that moment. Well, and this is why this is why I bring this up um, because the CSB has ver better version than the ESV. No, I'm just kidding. And the ESV, uh, oh my, is English Standard Version the one that breaks the passages up, but it doesn't say that Jesus rejects the Greeks, right? Um, but in the NIV, even the CSB, um, I, I'm sure. Um, so I'm just looking at the, one of the things I'm trying to understand is the context of the passage and what's going on here. Cause it is, it is totally confusing for the disciples to show up and ask, you know, Hey, Jesus, some Greeks want to see you. And then he goes into this like monologue is what it looks like. 
but if you look at even the NLT is this way, um, it doesn't it doesn't break up the passage between t- verse 26 and 27 start something different. Um, the, it's this discourse, it's this conversation. And it almost, for me, it has the appearance that Jesus then turns, goes to the Greeks or whatever. There's a bigger audience there and, and the Greeks are there. And maybe the Greeks wanted an audience just with Jesus. Um, this, this has like a touristy vibe to me with Greeks that don't maybe necessarily know a lot about what Christ has done or who Christ is or any of those pieces or the history of Jesus and the Messiah. Um, and so they're almost like, Hey, I've heard of this man named Jesus. I, I want to know more. The Greek, the Greek culture is also very intelligent. Um, it's also very political and debate driven. Uh, so if he's a large influential individual in this time, I could see some Greeks wanting to show up and say, Hey, let me see, let me meet with Jesus. Um, and, and so there's a, there's a few cultural things that I think are interesting there. Um, but as I look at this in some different translations, um, they, they break the text down differently and the text, the title of it, like, is that Jesus predicts his death and it goes from 20 verse 20 to verse 36. Okay. Um, and so if you continue on reading, like, obviously I'm not going to necessarily read the whole part, but in verse 27, it continues what Jesus is saying. It says, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray? Father, save me from this hour. But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I've already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Continues on. Jesus told them this. The voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the rule of the world, will be cast out. And when I'm filled up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. Continues on. And then it finishes the whole idea of. Uh, Jesus exhorting them again, my light will shine for you. I'm not going to be with you always. Put your trust on the light while there is still time. Uh, then you will become children of light. And then he says this, after these saying, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. Um, so it tells me that Jesus is talking to a large audience in this context. Um, and now I can I can ascertain that there is, like this is probably a conversation Jesus, maybe the Greeks wanted some some one-on-one time. Maybe they wanted a private audience. That could be. And Jesus shifted to a, a, an oral conversation, a public conversation, not an oral, that's the same thing, uh, but a public conversation where he invited an audience into the dialogue because he's then revealing the nature of what God called him to, uh, the nature that he's going to lay his life down um, and use it as an opportunity to reveal and predict his death. Um, but I don't necessarily see that he rejected. he's rejecting the Greeks who came to him um, and now I, at the same time, I could also see that happen. I could see that be a Jesus. Like I got, I don't got time for them. And he addresses a crowd instead. Um, but I just, I'm trying to, I mean, I've only looked at three translations, so I could totally be off on this, but. No, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's as explicit as some, some make it out to be that this is not really rejection of the Greeks here. And yeah. I think even the idea that he launches into this whole idea of what his death is going to mean, I think is showing that. He's accepting of people from because in the beginning, yes, you, you do see and I totally agree with that. Yeah, in the beginning, you do see how Jesus' ministry is, is really for the Jews, and then it begins to shift a little yes. bit. So. And I think it is a great moment to then start turning the hearts of his disciples to become more aware of the inclusiveness um, of of his life and his death and his resurrection. It, that it will be that the gospel is not just for a certain group, but it's for all humanity. And so. Uh, I totally agree with that. I just don't think, and I don't see, like I said, just to go back to the question that this is where I was kind of wrestling with, I don't see him rejecting the Greeks specifically. I could see it happening, but I don't see him doing that. Maybe he did it in a passive way. Um, and I think Jesus then uses the opportunity to again, teach and predict. So sure. that, that would be my, my thoughts. All right. Well, Hey, I like it. That Good wraps stuff. it up. Good question. You know, we didn't do the same intro. We're not going to do the same outro. 
we'll just say, dear listeners, beloved listeners, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Go Cowboys. Also, there won't be an episode on Sunday. This is the episode.